I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. <laughs> Children. Uh, how are you? It's a Robert Mitchum reference to Night of the Hunter. Oh, we're so fortunate. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. It was a very busy week. When is it not? When is it not? Lots of things to do. Oh, yes, dear Still child. a busy day. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, we're luckily having... daylight savings gave us an hour today. Oh so. yes, wasted already. Um, because of the movie we watched, or oh no, no, I didn't. The movie didn't age as well uh, that we will be speaking of shortly, in my mind. But uh, no, and we have an exciting, well, an interesting thing to do this evening. This evening we're having dinner with Dolly De Leon, who is one of the stars of. Triangle of Sadness. There you go. Get it. Directed by Ruben Ostlund. Um, it's being hosted at a popular Filipino restaurant, mm-hmm. which is actually like walking distance from our house. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we'll walk though. Um, and yeah, I thought it seemed like a fun experience uh, for f- several reasons, aided by the fact that it's so close to our home. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm also not super familiar with like Philippine cuisine, so I'm hoping to try some delicious food. I don't love sitting, you know, my biggest, you get invited to a lot of things that are kind of like this. Yeah, odd. Like social things. But my the reason I don't, well, first of all, I don't get invited, you do, and then you can bring a guest. But the main reason I don't push going is because it's usually filled with like people who are so desperate. Yes. To be around anyone who they think might be somebody. I know. And yes. And then there's some rising indignation within me that's like, oh, I don't want to seem like that. Yeah. So then it's like, I'm, I would only be here just to enjoy whatever. I came here to be cute. Well, it's like, I, I, you know, yeah. Cause we did a thing once where like John Cameron Mitchell was supposed to bingo at, uh, do bingo at hamburger Mary's. And I did enjoy it. Well, because I wanted bingo, but you did win quite a, a pretty nice prize. And it was like, you know, open bar, like order whatever you want for food. So that was fun. They did have us crammed together like sardines. And this was like what eight months ago? Yeah. Like COVID is, was still a thing. And I really don't like having to run around in a circle around the restaurant. But well, that's just their tradition. But I know, but it's like whenever someone wins bingo, they make the person run around the restaurant and everyone throws things at them. And like, shout something. But, I don't. I don't mind pretending like I'm in Freaks from. I don't mind Tom games. Browning's film. I don't mind games, but it's just like, oh, people are so desperate. Well, also, I don't like the feeling of people getting like overly excited about free food and alcohol. Right. Um, Again, I like it because it it encourages people to like attend and let loose, and they're not worried about like what they have to pay for and mm-hmm. or what but, I have to write about. But but then it seems like people are just like. You know, like this is my one meal today. I gotta get it in, mm-hmm. but maybe this will be different um, because the movie's a little more. You know, it's not like a, it's not like they're doing an event for like the new Fast and Furious movie where. Yeah, I've no, I've no idea who it's going to be there. I, I've gotten several emails that are like, "Are you sure you're coming? Space, space is limited. Please let us know." <laughs> yeah, the restaurant's not that big. Um. Anyway, there was a question. We have we have several questions. Uh, in the question section, but there was a question about, because, you know, Powerball's up to $1.9 billion. Mm-hmm. What would we do if we won $1.9 billion? I wonder if people know how much a billion is. A billion is a lot. Yeah. A, a billion is a thousand millions. Mm-hmm. So that is an enormous amount of money. 
if we were to win 1.9, if a per, if a single ticket won the 1.9 billion, there are two options. You can get the cash payout, like a lump sum, mm -hmm. or you can get an annuity. So I believe you get like, I don't know, it's like 30 payments over like mm -hmm. 29 years or something. And if you pick the annuity, you end up getting more money versus the cash payout, they automatically take off a bunch. So I was trying to figure out by, by reading how much we would get, but if we won the 1.9 billion and took the lump sum with like state and federal and probably city taxes, you'd probably end up with around 600 million, which is significantly less than 1.9 billion, but yep. still a shit ton of money. So if you won 600 million, what would you do with that? Uh, well, we'd buy several, uh, we'd buy houses in cities we'd want to live in probably <laughs> maybe one or two at least. And then, uh, finance, the, this, uh, a film or two. Yeah. That, that's that, a lot of money. So I feel like we could play with, I would finance a couple of my own films. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would, as in indie films. Yeah. Of course. I mean, pay off debt, but of course that wouldn't be difficult with 600 million. I would say buy. Um, well, I'd want to buy like a couple of like, like a main house and then a couple of cute spots mm -hmm. and places, like maybe one place where you like to visit, one place where I like to visit. Mm -hmm. I think buying family homes, which wouldn't cost that much money, like to buy our family, key family members homes, mm -hmm. like parents and siblings, you know, that wouldn't take a lot of money. And then of course I'd want some cars. And then, yeah, make a movie for sure. But you would still have like a ton of money left. So I feel like I would probably want to invest in like property investment, real estate, and yeah. maybe like some franchises, like open up some Chipotles. And oh some, boy. Okay. Well, my, you know, yeah. Um, obviously quit my job. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That'd be obviously done. quit my job. Um, the, the cars I'd want, I don't want flashy, you know, actually our main home, I wouldn't want to be that flashy. Wait, would you not continue the YouTube channel if you were a billionaire? I would, but it would be probably something that it'd probably be something where like, yeah, I would, but it, there wouldn't be enough time to do it as much as we do now. Well, with that money, you would hire somebody to edit for you. Yeah, but I wouldn't have the FaceTime because I need to run businesses and. Oh boy. Yeah, I'm running businesses. I'm going to be a mogul. Like, I'm not, I'm going to have a real estate portfolio. Like, yeah, I'm not. That's going to make people wish that you don't win if they want to see you. No, because I'd also want to start, like, I mean, I definitely would want to find a way. I would love to develop with, like, the city, you know, take 10 million and through the city build affordable housing and maybe do it through Section 8 where, but, you know, maybe specifically for, like, certain demographic of people maybe mm -hmm. like my fantasy would be to open up like a center for like trans people of color who are lo low income and find housing and then maybe the state helps subsidize that and it's not really for me to make money of course break even like yes. i shouldn't have to spend money to help people that much but <laughs> well no you know what i mean like if i put in the money and build well thing, yeah i think it's more beneficial i don't think that i should have to pay out of my pocket donating to charity where exactly. you don't where you don't know how that money's used right. yeah of course if you i would want to break even and that would be something that would probably be very passionate for me um yeah but i don't want to be super flashy i wouldn't want to live in like a 35 million no i don't want to live in beverly hills i want to live in beverly hills i probably would want to live in like 
Honestly, I think finding like a really cute, like maybe three to $4 million home in like Silver Lake. Silver Lake, Berlin, Mexico City. And then those places, yeah, spend like under a million each to get a cute, I probably want like condos in those places where sure. they're like self-contained and I don't have to worry about someone watching it. And well, yeah, this is a fantasy that, uh, yeah, I don't know. Happen. This went on way too long. Um, also this is older news, but I just, I had written it down. So I feel like I should say it, um, about Julia Roberts telling the story of how, oh, how about MLK and uh, Coretta paid for her birth, basically, yeah. um, which if people don't know, you can just Google it. But basically, like Julia Roberts' uh, mom owned like a, I think an acting school. It was like a performing arts yeah. academy. But um, yes, yes. And she was approached by the Kings, uh, I believe specifically Coretta, asking if their children could attend because, of course, in the 1960s, having uh having these black children attend a performing arts school was probably complicated due to segregation. Mm -hmm. And then the way Julia Roberts tells it is that her mom said, of course, and then they became friends. So when Julia was born, they were having trouble paying for the medical bills and the Kings paid. But what I thought was interesting is I forget which show she was on. It was either like Jimmy Fallon or Kimmel or something. When she was asked about it, she kind of played it off like, oh, I don't want to talk about it, mm. which I thought was kind of weird. I think. I well, would... that's, that's private. It, it is. That's private family business. And I'm sure she doesn't want to seem like, yeah, I, I can see how you'd want to be maybe touchy about. That. You're right that it's private, but I think the, she was being touchy in a way that was like, she was kind of like embarrassed. And I felt like, I don't know if it were me, I'd be like, like, can you believe like what an honor and like, I can't believe. And for sure she wasn't like that at all, but you're, I'm not saying anything about her. I, I just thought what an interesting story for someone who's like an A-list person to have and then yeah. to play it off. Like, I don't I'm not implying that she gave the vibe of like, I don't want to talk about that because I'm a bigger deal than that story. I don't think that's what she meant. Probably, I don't think either. maybe there's more details about it that, Maybe our, she our, feels like glorious, it's, but... yeah, maybe she feels like their, their charity is not to be exploited. Yeah. So I respect that. It, it's just such an interesting story. And the way she responded to it was like, I would think she also responded like she wasn't prepared, but I feel like if MLK and his wife paid for your medical bills and you're now a super famous person, I would think you'd have a very well thought out response to those questions, like that question. Mm -hmm. And she seemed like she was shocked that someone knew and would ask her. I think that's why I was kind of like, you don't think anyone would ever like ask you about that? Sure. Considering you're like a super famous person yourself that like you should probably have something ready. Moving on, how old do you think Toni Collette is? Oh, she is probably older than she looks. Uh, or yeah, because she's younger than she looks, I think. You think she's young? Her actual age is less than what she looks like. Wait, wait how am I phrasing this? I, I think she looks. I good think for her she age. looks young. I I think she looks older than her age. Really? Yeah. No, I think she. How old do you think she is? I thought was like fifty-five. Her birthday was last week. She turned fifty. Oh, okay. Well, she's been around a minute. I think I think she looks a little older, but also in my mind, she's been around a long time. So I think I expected her to be older. I was. I'm not trying to be shady. I was just shocked when I saw that she had just turned 50. I thought she was probably like 60. Oh, okay. No, no I think she looks I think she What looks year 40. is Muriel's wedding? 94. 94? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, 
Yeah. No, I, she looks what great. She did a movie. I don't want to say 2002, three, four, somewhere in there. I don't think I ever watched it, but with Matthew Broderick and she plays this, uh, uh, like sex bombshell and, uh, she looks fantastic in it. You know, I think that she, you know, the, the thing with Tony Collette is she's not afraid to make herself be ugly in sure. films and i and i think that messes with people's perception of age sure. as well and we just saw her in the estate mm-hmm. which i don't think is out yet yeah it came out friday oh it did come out friday um i think she looks great in yeah that. no i think she looks good okay so there were some questions first if you could recast a film which would it be and and who would you recast which so is a really o- good question and so only you have answers to this so well, go ahead. this person had a really great example um with the film Three Women, a Robert Altman film from, I think, 77 with Sissy Spacek and Shelley Duvall. Uh, and it's in my top 10 of all time. It's my only top 10 film of all time that Joseph has not watched. Which uh, is what? Three, Three Women. Women. Yeah. You're not listening to me. Uh, and recasting the third woman as Geraldine Chaplin, which would have been uh, a fantastic idea because I love Chaplin, especially in the 70s. Um she did a great film called Remember My Name with Anthony Perkins that I feel like nobody talks about, among many other things. But yes, I'm a big fan of Geraldine Chaplin, and that would have been fantastic uh, casting as the third woman. Um, but of course, uh, I had a, a couple brief examples. Uh, the Rose Tattoo, which Anna Magnani won her Oscar for and learned to speak English for, a role that was written for her by Tennessee Williams. I, it always, Bert Lancaster always bothered me as uh, the love interest, and I wanted somebody, you know, a little more Italian, uh, like maybe Gian Maria Volante. Uh, a film like The Kitchen, which came out a couple of years ago, I always say if that had been made in the 70s, in The Kitchen, of course, stars uh, Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish, and Elizabeth Moss. But can you imagine if that film had been made in the 70s starring Shelley Winters, Pam Greer, and Sissy Spacek? That would have been mwah. Uh, and what else? Uh, I, I, you know, uh, Bridges of Madison County, Clint Eastwood, originally approached Sigourney Weaver. Uh, but she oh boy. but she flubbed the interview. Uh, he got pissed at her because she wasn't really listening to him. Uh, talk about i think he he brought a restoration of the oxbow instant to can and she was like oh i didn't realize you directed that and he got all huffy and of course that role went to meryl streep um and then something like a, a lot of roles where the broadway originator didn't get to be in the film like bb newworth in uh chicago yes Catherine zeta jones is good in that film and she didn't win an oscar uh, but i would have loved to see uh bb newworth on film in that role which of course she didn't originate but blah 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 anyway that's a good question uh yeah next uh another question for you do you watch tv series or tv movies especially the current trend of limited series which probably would have been films 10 to 15 years ago with the same professional lens that you watch cinema or do you strictly save that critical eye for feature releases uh i think that's a good question uh in (laughs) Well, because... Well, I feel like you're not supposed to say that's a good question because it's implying they're a bad question. No, no, it's a question I like. Sorry. Uh, My personal bias is I like that question because, um, yes, I don't want to imply there are bad questions. Uh, uh, Do you... Do you want to repeat it? No. uh, I think that I use the same rubric that I use for everything else. But, you know, know, within that, even within film, you know, I, I think we need to take into consideration uh, intentions and uh, context uh, as in everyday life, as in who, who would this 
you know, maybe I'm not the intended audience, but I can still appreciate something, for instance, or uh, do I realize that they probably didn't have the money to realize a full vision? Or are you aware of certain things happening in the background? And uh, for television films, you can have a really good television film that's obviously not being as adult as it probably could be, but you can still really like it. Or a, a, the parameters, the, ex the extended parameters of a television series, like you know, Big Little Lies or something, which I think would have made a better film, in my personal opinion, uh, at least the first season. Uh, but how to criticize and speak to what it's doing based on uh, the uh, intentions of the final product, if I'm articulating that well enough. But uh, in short, yes, but always uh, th there's things taken into consideration, which I feel like you know, speaks to why I'm probably overtly harsh on big budget mainstream films because you have all the bells and whistles. You have everybody that's having potentially an opportunity to say what they want to. And, you know, yes, uh, just because a studio might limit certain things because they want this to be, you know, made for everybody to be able to consume. Uh, there are ways to uh, be interesting and subversive and, you know, intelligent and, uh, I, I just see that lost at that level more often than not. And I think that's because people get lazy because they think people are going to buy tickets to this stuff no matter what. And then people get really touchy when you criticize that stuff, like Mark Wahlberg or Johnny Depp. And they're like, these films aren't meant to be criticized. And like, well, these are exactly the films you should be criticizing because you have access to everything. Anyway. Lastly, how do we feel about Nick Cannon having all of these kids? I feel like that's a setup because obviously I think it's ridiculous that this person has 11 children with six different women. And one of those six women is pregnant with his 12th child. And one of his children died, like, I think a year ago. So yeah, it just seems excessive. And that man has lupus, like he has health problems. I just, I'm not a parent, so I don't know. But my assumption is that children need attention, mm -hmm. like from their parents. And you know, as someone who grew up in kind of like a normal upbringing where like normal as in like for someone my age where my mom was a stay-at-home mom, my dad went to work. So my mom was home a lot and my dad was usually only home at dinner time and didn't really foster us the way mom did. I feel like that's kind of a normal upbringing for people my age or older. So then you think like Nick Cannon has 11 children from six different different women which means they're not even in the same house of course so he is separate commune that is, yeah it would be better if he had a commune right. but like these kids are spread out and they're probably like east coast west coast down south who knows and then two of those are by you know mariah carey so i'm sure she's very particular about how he's involved it just seems kind of like why why would you want to spread your seed and have this little army of kids who you can't really devote enough time to? But that's an interesting movie, like The Estate, when he dies and he has money to give away and all those children maybe meet for the first time in the same place. That would make an interesting story. But um, I, yeah, I, I agree with what, I, I don't know what's the point of it. And I assume that, you know, I think I autom our, our brains automatically assume like, well, maybe some of these women see that as a, a really nice way to secure a comfortable future. Who knows? I don't mean to cast aspersions on these people I'll never meet. But, we, you know, if Nick Cannon's doing what a lot of people have done. I mean, we need Eddie Murphy's done this. Lil Wayne has done this. Ingmar Bergman has done this. So it, it's, you know, men who have power and means and access. And, and that's the result in heteronormative. Uh, well, we find a lot of 
people with money tend to want large families because they can afford it. And mm. also there's this idea of a legacy. Like people think that, you know, I'm a millionaire because of my plumbing business. Like I want to have like, I, I don't know. I think it's really odd that people want to have like a legacy. And it's like, I mean, just because you have money doesn't mean you are. Just because you could doesn't mean, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I just remember Queen of Versailles, the documentary. Yes. And that lady, that Las Vegas lady, that's like, well, I didn't, I wouldn't have wanted to have all these kids if I knew I would be the one stuck taking care of them. Yeah. I, but to answer the question, I mean, I just think it's kind of like wreck. It's it, irresponsible. It seems irresponsible to have so many children that you know damn well you're not going to be spending time with. And like, I think a lot of times for people, again, who have means, they feel, even we just saw that movie, The Sun, and mm -hmm. Hugh Jackman's character is, uh, I'm not going to describe the movie, but the way he reacts to his son, like, I had a shitty dad and I was able to pull myself out of that and make something of myself. And it's like, well, I don't know that being able to like have success, however you define it, negates the fact that people need love and attention mm -hmm. and, or, you know, children specifically, like <laughs> just because you were able to become a million, a famous millionaire with not having a father present doesn't mean that baseline should be, I'm gonna have all these kids who essentially don't have a father who's present and they should be fine because I'm going to pay for whatever they need. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm not a parent, so I don't know. I was also thinking of uh, Kiki Wyatt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who was on a reality show. Do you remember which one? Now that I'm saying. I thought it, it. was uh, R&B Divas. Was it R&B Divas? It was R&B Divas LA or Atlanta. One of the two. I thought it was LA, but I. Either way, she has um, several many children. Mm -hmm. And we saw her on this show where not only do we see that she had sort of. Um, she has all these children, but the husband she was with, there seemed to be problems. So it's like, you're having relationship problems. Um, Wasn't he the one that was very controlling and always kind of, kind of hovering? Yes. Yeah. But <laughs> she has 11 children who she has birthed like herself. And uh, which is also, you know, we talk about Nick Cannon, but it's like Kiki Wyatt just from the show seemed to have like financial issues, mm -hmm. relationship issues, emotional issues. Mm -hmm. And she's just cranking out these children. I don't believe that she's like a millionaire. Like, <laughs> so it's just like how is this even i just don't, I don't know why know. you would want what's the what you, did you you never saw my left foot with daniel day lewis did you no he's like the it, that's a great film uh both he and brenda fricker won for that i think 1989 but he's the uh, ireland he's like his mother had like i want to say like something astronomical like 30 some children it's like do you know what that does to your body and your mind and again i'm not like everyone knows i don't want children i think the world's overpopulated i think for most people it seems irresponsible to even have children that being said we have to continue making people unless we want civilization to end so i'm not saying no children i just think having like multiple kids like more than three I don't know. I think more than two seems like a lot, but can't can you apply the work-life balance to life at home? Like that's a well, lot. Well, that's what of I'm work. saying. How can you like give children the attention they need and foster like well, in short, all you the can. things like, you can't when you have like eight kids and ten kids, well, just, twelve kids, or like just like you know these these wealthier families that have children, and then the kids spend all the time with the nanny. 
you know, I don't know that that well, that's a separate that's thing, a separate yeah, issue. But I, like, I think that ultimately is not great either. Why make why make babies to then have some other person take care of them, and then but between the nanny and the school teachers, it's like what impact do you have? And the small impact you do have is probably going to end up resulting in a negative. Your children will have it just from my experience with my mom being a nanny and seeing how these kids grow up. I think they end up resenting. Well, and I even have a very peripheral view of that like years later, but these, a lot of these kids, like I've met some of these kids that were reared by your mother as the nanny and they are very close. They're very passionate about your mother. They are very uh, attached seemingly. And then all the stories you hear about their biological parents that, you know, were in the same house. It's a, a bit more cold and estranged. It's it's just interesting. But again, I don't have children. I don't have the desire or the ability to have children myself. So I, I, I don't want to say that it's like, wrong or unnatural no I, it, it I, just seems to, like to each their own and what but even works for like, you works for you but who's I don't know. the who's the guy you know like these 70 year old celebrity men having babies oh like, like anthony quinn i think was in his 90s having kids but someone like this year like an older male just got his girlfriend pregnant and he's like 70 and it's like okay so when your kid graduates high school you're going to be damn near 90 i feel like that's irresponsible oh uh, yeah like who wants to be in like starting college and thinking like my dad is like I'm gonna have to make funeral plans next week beyond I mean he's not even a senior citizen he's like knocking on death's door yeah that's a lot of stress to put on a teenager mm -hmm. well and then you can't you know teenagers especially require a lot of energy and care because they require a lot of energy yeah uh, and then the older you are the more you are removed from them generationally I, I feel like it's like you have no idea what they're being exposed to. But now I can already hear, see all the comments of people saying my parents were older and they did a good job. Yes, I'm so not implying th that there there are uh, functional or and happy examples of every type of uh, uh, organized family. Okay, but can we get through the films uh, released we didn't cover in like three minutes? Let's go, Bardo. Oh God, I didn't force the. I didn't make you. Is it Bardot or Bardo? Bardo. Oh, uh, not the, like Bridget Bardot. Not like Bridget Bardot or a Bordeaux bar. Um, <gasps> oh, from C's Candy. Oh, he's triggered. Uh, I love Bordeaux bars from C's Candy. PO box is listed in the link. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, you, you're so Bardo, uh, the latest film from Alejandro Gonzalez Inaratu, I saw and covered in out of Venice. And it just played at the AFI Film Festival. I don't, you probably don't remember the stories, but it received such negative press that he said everyone was racist uh, <laughs> or something to that effect. And he, well, but according he, to Avenue Q, everyone is a little racist, but go ahead. <laughs> um, again, that's a different conversation to unpack. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but uh, he recut it. So it is shorter. Uh, and it premiered at, it, the, I think the new version just premiered at AFI Fest and it just uh, was released. I think it came out on Netflix on Friday. Uh, but I didn't uh, want to rewatch it. It's not the worst thing I've seen, but I, I, done, I didn't enjoy it. And uh, I didn't, I think you would have been irritated with me if I had asked you to watch it. Dear Zoe. Uh, there's a film directed by Gren Wells coming out this week, starring Sadie Sink, who you just saw in The Whale, and Jessica Capshaw, uh, who is the daughter of Kate Capshaw, stepdaughter of Steven Spielberg. And Nola Holmes, too. I didn't watch this because I didn't watch Nola Holmes 1, and Billy Bobby Brown is... Is that her name? Millie Bobby Millie Brown. Millie Bobby Brown is not my favorite, but Harry Bradbeer returns to uh, Enola Holmes, the sister of Sherlock, also starring Henry Cavill, who 
doesn't usually generate a lot of interest from me either. Good night, Opie. Opie. Good night, uh, Opie. A documentary. I got so many emails about reviewing this, but it's about Opportunity, the Mars exploration rover that they call Opie uh, by her creators at NASA. And she was supposed to be uh, exploring Mars for only 90 days, but it ultimately ended up there for 15 years. So it's a documentary about that. Longevity. Mm. Talking about longevity, darling. Yes, yes. Nick Cannon and Opie. Oh, or share. She knows about longevity. She, you know that they say she's dating this. Um, she's dating Tyga's. Well, they were saying she's either dating Tyga or his best friend, who's the baby daddy of. Uh, who's that lady who started the slut march? Um, Amber Rose. Oh, he's Amber like a thirty-four-year-old guy, like rapper. Okay. So good for her, I guess. Apparently, they met because Cher put up her Malibu home for put up put her Malibu home up for sale. For $85 million, and Tyga went to go look at it. Okay. I'm sure. But there are pictures of them like holding hands and. Okay. Well, good. Get it. But yeah. I'm sure that she's interesting and fun in her way. But I don't know about longevity there. But <laughs> uh, we have to pause one second. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, next is Meet Me in the Bathroom. Uh, it's a new documentary about the New York music scene of the early 2000s, which does sound interesting, but I did not have the time. Uh, next exit. Uh, Danny Elfman's daughter, Molly Elfman, who I've met, uh, she used to uh, work as a journalist covering Sundance. That's how I met her probably a decade ago. Uh, she directed a film called Next Exit. Salvatore Showmaker. Oh, Salvatore Shoemaker of Dreams. Yes, I uh, that's there's Luke, a typo here. There's yes. a typo there. Uh, but it's uh, Salvatore Ferragamo, uh, Luca Guadagnino. Uh, this was released at the Venice Film Festival in 2020, but it comes out this week. You know, I only know what Ferragamo is because, well, it's in rap lyrics from like the 90s, but also when I lived and worked in Vegas, there was a Ferragamo store at the form shops. Um, and I'd walk by it all the time and think those things are far too nice and expensive for me, but beautiful things. Uh, mm. Something in the dirt. Oh God, I I don't know what it is. I just really don't like Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson's films. And I don't think it's due to the writing or the narratives because they're interesting ideas and interesting things. I think it's them. I think I just don't like seeing them on screen and they oh. usually cast themselves. Oh, are those? Yeah, I had this on out of Sundance this year. Yes. And you were yeah. like, yeah, that I was like, right. what is this? It has, they, as all their films do have their fans. Um, but, you know, I have to say, I probably like Synchronic the best because it had uh, Anthony Mackie and, oh God, Jamie Dornan uh, standing in for in the roles that they themselves probably would have played. And I was just automatically, I, I just don't think they have any screen presence. I don't know. Um, oh. Anyway. Lastly, Utama. Alejandro Leaza Grisi uh, has a film open called... <laughs> Greasy, uh, if I'm saying crunchy, crunchy, uh, about a couple that's forced to move due to a drought in the Bolivian highlands. Oh, you know, I should have added this to the question section, but someone asked where I got crunchy from. Oh, yeah. we were watching an episode of Chopped, yeah. And for people who don't know, Chopped is a show on the Food Network, 
right? Hosted by one of the Tom, or not Tom, Ted from Queer Eye, the original yeah, Queer Eye. Yeah, that also reminds me of, um, oh, keep going, sorry. And there was an Italian gentleman, you know, because it's like three people and they're like, they get challenges where they get like a random box of ingredients and they have to make a dish from it. And there was an Italian gentleman who made something and he had a very heavy accent and something he made like in a non-traditional way. And he was describing like, I, I guess it was like pasta or something. Mm -hmm. And he described it as being crunchy. Yeah. <laughs> and we'd laughed and adopted <laughs> And it. I cackled forever. So I've adopted that. Uh, but that also reminded me of the, remember Epiphany Mattel is on that song by what's her name latrice royale, latrice royale uh, where she says i may be fat but you're ugly and i can lose weight yeah <laughs> but a 15 mattel is like you're on the real food network and you just got chopped okay moving on to movies you watched for fun the rainmaker oh my god oh my god this film uh, it's the, was i in the room yes it's oh. the directorial debut of joseph anthony and this is just another instance of how the it's why I don't like Meryl. I do really like Catherine Hepburn a lot. And, you know, she holds the record for the most Oscar nominations. But this, oh, it's like Meryl Streep. Where the guy can predict, like, Bert isn't Lancaster. there a mystery science theater movie where the lady can find rain? or like she's That's the thing that couldn't die? With Jessica. Yes. Yep. Oh, I could rewatch that. That is a great uh, mystery science theater treated <laughs> film. Anyway, The Rainmaker. The Rainmaker, 1956. Where Catherine Hepburn's supposed to be a young woman. <laughs> and she is clear she is clearly not. And no. nothing against uh, And they put little pink ribbons in her hair, like she's a little <laughs> her brothers, one of them whom is Lloyd Bridges. Who's very handsome. Oh, he's okay. Jeff Jeff got Compared the to the other two. Oh yes, the other two are like <laughs> uh who are the other two? Her uh, dad and father. Oh, the actors, I don't recall the top oh. of my head. But Bernard Lancaster is this huckster that comes in that tries to fleece people out of money for whatever. And he, he knows that this area has a drought. And he's like, well, if you pay me $100, I can do a dance and make it rain. And they're like, okay. Does he actually produce rain? Rain does come. Okay. But, you know. Does he end up getting the quote-unquote girl? Yes. Catherine Hepburn is as much of a girl in this movie as Madonna is a girl nah, nah. in two thousand. What when Girls Gone Wild came or Girls Gone Like 2011? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really awkward. And she got an Oscar nod for this. Uh, and I think it got an Oscar nod for best score. Uh, Joseph Anthony before this was, uh, I think, had only done stage work. And it's Burt Lancaster, who is an Oscar winner. Elmer Gantry is great. Uh, and I already. Um, I already demean this man by saying he shouldn't have been in the Rose Tattoo on this podcast. I do like Burt Lancaster, uh, especially in The Killers when he was the Swede. But <sighs> he's doing this thing that is like he's playing in the background of the room, but it's like, whoa, slow down. We're in a theater. Um, <sighs> it's, it, it was difficult to watch. I, I, I did not like it. And Catherine Hepburn, oh, yeah, horribly miscast. Uh, next is a movie called Blind, Blind Theory. Oh, you know, I saw this disc in the DVD player when I put on the secret movie. Um, and I thought, oh, what's that skating movie? Blades of Fury? Blades of Fury. That's what I think I thought this was. No, this is a 1989 <laughs> film directed by Philip Noyce and Rutger Hauer. And I think that the, that combination made me curious along the time period. Mm, this is not good either. Uh, but it's basically a remake of Zatoichi Challenge, the the blind samurai. So it's oh. Rutger Hauer is this blind guy, and 
all the people that are really liking it besides Rutger, like Meg Foster dies right away. Uh, it, you know, she's usually at least something to watch. And it was, um, it was very bland. Uh, I watched a movie called The Christmas Setup. Are you familiar with this movie? No. It's a movie on li- a Christmas movie for that was uh, intended for the Lifetime. Is this network. with Lindsay Lohan? No. Okay. It was brought was broadcast in 2020. It stars Fran Drescher. Oh, I am okay. Yes, is directed did by Pat Mills. Direct this. Yes. Oh, I never. Okay, I like Pat. It was hard to sit through. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a Lifetime Christmas movie. It has all the beats of like, um, you then, know, like there's someone who's kind of like a Scrooge or like doesn't believe in whatever during the holiday season. Mm-hmm. And then of course there's someone who comes in and shows them like the holiday spirit or shows them love and then all's well that ends well. So it has that formula, but I, w- this is an example of like just having such an unlikable person in the lead role. Um, but yeah, Fran Drescher plays this mom who has like an adult son. She lives in Milwaukee Mm-hmm. Oh my God, they keep talking about Milwaukee like it's a small town. It was so annoying. Like Milwaukee is a pretty big major city. Mm-hmm. Like, but um, she has a gay son. She has two sons. One of them is gay and he is a, like a fancy lawyer in New York. And then she has another son who's in the military who's unbelievably attractive, mm-hmm. especially compared. I mean, like, who's their dad? If it's Fran Drescher and this guy. And then. Oh, Fran Drescher is beautiful. Though. She is beautiful, but then. She and her gay son are brunettes. And oh. then this guy is like, he looks like, yeah. I mean, he looks like if you mix like a G.I. Joe with a Ken doll and he's blonde and like Paul Walker. He's more attractive. I mean, he's just like, and even there's another character in the movie who like falls in love with him. He's so good looking. But anyway, the the main gay guy is so unlikable. He's just like one of those bratty, uptight, like, wah, 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 and everything is like, like he's bothered by everything. Are you, are you talking about Billy Eichner from Bros? Uh, he's kind of obnoxious in that way, except he's not uh, loud. But he comes back home to visit his mom for the holidays. And his high school, like he had this guy in high school who he had a crush on, mm-hmm. who's this like, straight presenting guy who's very good looking and he bumps into him because this guy's delivering a Christmas tree to Fran Drescher. Mm-hmm. So the gay guy's treating him kind of like, Oh, like I went to high school with you and now you're like, Oh, delivery met gay romance, like B-boy blues. Well then he's kind of, Oh, it just drove me crazy. Like these, like, like those guys who pretend like, girl, you should only be so lucky that this man because the delivery guy is very good looking. Like the mm. fact that he's even giving you any attention. And then they're treating it like they live in a small town where there aren't a lot of options. Mm-hmm. But Milwaukee is a big city with a lot of gay people. Yeah. It's also near two larger cities. Isn't that where Jeffrey Dahmer was preying on men? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so the fact that like he thinks he doesn't have options is weird. But, and he doesn't think that. If Dahmer had options, you <laughs> Anyway, he kind of is dismissive towards the guy and then. He, we, we find out that that delivery guy, he does work for the Christmas tree, um, like lot, but the lot is owned by his dad. And the only reason he's there is because he's helping his dad out because he's retired at like 28 because he made an app and sold it for like hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. So of course it goes how you would think they reconnect, whatever. 
I will give it credit for it is very LGBTQ friendly because they're speaking they're like it's very open about them being gay it's mm -hmm. not like you know of course Fran Drescher is going to not you know she's presenting like how you would think she would like very loving to, towards her gay son there really are no there, there, there's no friction about him being gay and the rich guy mm -hmm. the one who's in love with the other one he has said that he wants to come back he chose to come back to milwaukee because he was living in silicon valley because he wanted to like foster queer spaces mm -hmm. so we see them like going to an event where he's trying to get more like queer people um out and about so i did i thought that part of it was a nice surprise i didn't expect that from a lifetime movie that it would have that messaging um which is funny because it that bros is also make kind of poking fun at all of those super progressive lifetime movies. Well, in this case, I kind of felt like this movie handled that subject matter better than bros. Cause actually this is a movie about two good looking white guys mm -hmm. who are like in love and they're super privileged. Like, mm -hmm. and it didn't read to me, like, this is how you do it. Mm -hmm. Like it stayed true to how these people's lives would be. It's corny and I didn't like some of it, but sure. I felt like this actually felt more authentic than bros. <laughs> well, and it's funny, Pat Mills did that lesbian slasher flick after this. Yeah, but it's it, you know, and then Fran Drescher, she doesn't have a lot to do except a lot of like nasally screaming. Her thing. Oh yeah. God. It's <laughs> it's intense. But moving on. Whatever. You know, Liz Taylor had a terrible scream and they use they utilize that a lot too. Um, projects of interest, die my love. Uh, yes. So I think we talked about this earlier because Jennifer Lawrence had dropped that she was going to do a project with Lynn Ramsey. Very exciting, right? Well, it's <laughs> right. It's, uh, see, there might be a working girl, uh, die. My love uh, based on a novel by Ar Ariana Harwitz is the project that they're working on. So that's exciting. Uh, there's a, the, the prequel to a quiet place. Well, it's a spinoff. I heard. Oh, it's a spinoff? Yeah. I thought it was a prequel. I, I, the language I saw was said spinoff, but oh, well, um, I would go with Michael that. Sarnowski, who directed Pig uh, with Nicolas Cage, which I did really like, uh, I guess Lupita Nyong'o is going to star in that, and that could be very interesting. Uh, and then... Memuna Ducure, who... Yeah, what is that? Be knows, known, best known for um, the controversy over her debut, Cuties, uh, which I liked well enough, and that was such... The, uh, whatever not even worth going into. And uh, I just saw her second film, Hawa, which was fine as well. That's where the little uh, French black albino girl wants to have Michelle Obama adopt her. <laughs> Very, oh, it had some interesting things. She's remaking uh, Josephine Baker vehicle, the bronze Venus. Uh, so that should be interesting. Okay. Unfortunately, there are entries in the obituary section. First, uh, the rapper Takeoff from the Migos. Oh, he yes. Was, I did read about that. He was shot and killed in Houston, in Houston. last yeah. week, which is crazy as hell. He was only 28. Um, yeah. Uh, where where did Megan the Stallion get shot? Oh, I'm not sure. But, you know, people are saying, or what I was reading is that he had been posting on social media that he was in Houston and that mm. he was like at places with some other person. So the point being that because of him, his content on social media and other people posting about him, it was easy to sort of triangulate and figure out where he was sure. and where he was headed. So that allowed whomever was probably looking to shoot him to find him. God. And yeah, that's just so 
I mean, it's just scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that sucks. And then Aaron Carter died. He was only 34. He was found. The, the police report says that they found a man. It was reported that a man had drowned in his pool. So Aaron Carter was found dead in his pool at his home in Lancaster. Um, mm. So that's crazy. But we know Aaron Carter had a lot of issues. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised based on the last thing that I saw where he was in the, the the last thing where the, with his sister was tattooed on his face or something. And well, he went, so I re, he had a little stretch where things were kind of out of control because yeah. he did an episode of Dr. Phil, I believe. I, I remember watching it. Now I can't recall which talk show it was, but he went on there to like prove, like he was claiming that he had never had like any STI tests. Mm-hmm. So he went on this TV show to get tested. Mm-hmm. For like all the things, and then we see him being very emotional, like hoping he because he was concerned he might have AIDS, and it, oh, it just felt so exploitative. And then it and thankfully he didn't have anything except like a case of candida, <laughs> but then um, that was being attributed to like uh, poor nutrition because clearly he's like at one point because he's taller than I am, and at one point he was like at a hundred fifteen pounds, so of course like. And then he went on OnlyFans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw some of those videos. They were like, I mean, it was just like, this is a long fall. Mm-hmm. He had a bunch of tax issues. And remember, he came out as bisexual a couple times yep. and uh, made all these weird claims against his sister and his brother, Nick Carter mm-hmm. from the Backstreet Boys, saying that like they had been abusive. He said his sister like sexually abused him and that his brother sexually abused his sister. And, it's just crazy, but it seems like, you know, hopefully he's, I don't know. It seems like his mind wasn't at peace. So maybe now it is, hopefully, since I don't believe in an afterlife, he can be at peace. Mm. <laughs> okay, moving on. The secret movie for today was a movie that had been requested numerous times by a person. Uh, and I, uh, I, I finally committed to watching it. Mm-hmm. I have not seen this since it came out in 2001, even though I own it. It's the 2001 American criminal comedy drama film directed by Barry Levinson called Bandits. Mm. It stars Bruce Willis, Billy Bob Thornton, and Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I had never seen this. I had never heard of it until I had been asked to like watch it. But overall, I thought it was cute. Uh, I think it's too long. It is. Is doing too many things. What did I like about it? Of course, um, I don't think I've ever seen Billy Bob in a movie where I didn't like him. Yeah, he's always pretty good. He's always good. And then, of course, Kate Blanchett is will always get the job done. Yeah. I don't think she's particularly funny in this movie. And then Bruce Willis, we were talking earlier that I think, I don't, I think I've always been blinded by how attractive I thought Bruce Willis was that I think. I have to realize that I don't know that I think he's like the best actor. Because he's not. <laughs> he's not. It's okay. Um, so there's that. The 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 wig game in this movie is something that I should probably get back to, but we should tell the basic story. Mm-hmm. So Billy Bob and Bruce Willis play friends who are bank robbers, mm-hmm. and they're like prolific bank robbers, and we find them in prison and they escape. And they escape of course they're trying to like not get caught at a point they meet kate blanchett she falls in love with bruce willis's character but then she ultimately falls in love with 
Billy Bob as well. So it becomes this love triangle. They do get into a fight and separate, but then they realize that the only way they're ever going to sort of like be able to just completely walk away from everything is they need one last big heist mm -hmm. to get enough money to like move to Mexico. An important side character is Troy Garrity plays, I believe Bruce Willis's cousin. Mm -hmm. He's like a stunt person who kind of helps them as a getaway driver. And of course, Troy Garrity is the real life son of Jane Fonda. Yeah. Uh, so part of the narrative is there's this like fake reality TV show that's kind of like unsolved mysteries where the host is... Where Bobby Slayton as Darren Head is doing a his best to, I think, seem like Robert Stack. Yeah, doing an interview with Billy Bob and Bruce Willis. Sort of, and the timing of the interview was very confusing to me, but it seems like he's interviewing them after they've obviously broken out of prison. It's before the last big but heist. But before the last and, big heist. And the purpose is to clear Kate Blanchett's name so that she can claim the $1 million reward. So the end of the film is there's a $1 million reward for their capture, Billy Bob and Bruce. But Kate Blanchett's character the media is kind of originally she was kidnapped but then there's video showing her ma making people question like is she also helping them mm -hmm. so bruce and bob their objective is to sort of clear her name and say she was not a willing accomplice she was kidnapped but the final heist is that they're going to they call her and say we're going to um rob this bank and she goes to the police to get the reward and then the final scene is they're at the bank and Billy Bob and Bruce Willis get into an argument and kill each other in a shootout. But there's a twist. The twist is that Billy Bob, Bruce, and Kate orchestrated this. Mm -hmm. So the plan is that their um, stunt, the, the cousin who's a stunt man sort of like choreographed the shootout. So it's all fake bullets and blood. And then the stuntman and his girlfriend are pretending to be paramedics. So they take the dead bodies of the robbers along with the money, put them in body bags, escape. And then they orchestrate this like accident where it looks like all the bodies burned up mm -hmm. and they get away. And then Kate Blanchett was a part of it. And the plan was that not only do they rob the bank and keep the money, but she also gets the million dollar reward. Mm -hmm. And then the end of the film is they are in Mexico the stuntman and his girlfriend get married. Played by January Jones. Who's... And then Billy Bob, Bruce Willis, and Kate Blanchett are now like a threesome. Mm -hmm. The end. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have a lot of notes. I have to say there are a lot of like humorous moments, primarily due to Bruce or uh, to Billy Bob. I think. Yes, he's he's doing overtime as the eccentric neurotic. The movie is over two hours long, and it feels very long. And I think it is to the films to to the comedy's detriment because there are there are long gaps where like i feel like they're trying to foster this romance that just do not work uh, yes you know in my mind's eye 20 years ago i thought i, I, I would have told you that they were, they were brothers but they're not well they're pretending to be brothers that's, yes. so, so that's why you would have thought yeah. that but then we find out they're actually not and that's what causes Bruce and Billy to get I to I think we take too long to get to Kate Blanchett's character. Well, it takes like it's at the 30 minute mark where Kate comes in and that's where things liven up because yes. now we have the the two guys sort of vying for her attention. Well, it's more like she likes Bruce and Billy Bob cuz he's playing sort of like a neurotic 
and that's where i think the comedy is best served mm -hmm. but yeah the first 30 minutes are kind of like uh it was a rough start because they break out of prison by stealing a concrete mixer that was on the prison grounds mm -hmm. that like a, an inmate could just walk up to it mm -hmm. and bruce just walks up to the concrete mixer and then takes off and billy bob hops on they break through there's a chase scene they're able to like hide and they steal multiple cars and so yeah the, the I, I was waiting for the humor for like a while mm -hmm. um so that was a little disappointing i think the movie's doing too much because it's it i think it would have worked well as either like these two guys break out of prison and then maybe that's like half the film and then the second half is they meet this woman and then they're fighting for her attention i think that could have made a really funny movie or it, it could have been a heist movie where the bulk of it is this love triangle trying to do this ultimate heist but then of course there's going to be some weird shit because the two guys really want the one lady i feel like there there could have been so much more done with those two ideas but instead they they do both and then in the center so it's like 30 minutes of one 30 minutes of the other and then an hour of like this romance that there's just zero chemistry i don't think there's chemistry between any of them um <laughs> I, I i feel like uh, as an audience member, I have chemistry with Kate, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like um, I find any of them particularly interesting. And, the, you know, and she, you know, the big thing is she's like, I'm going to leave you guys because, you know, I need you both because together you're the perfect man. And it's like, oh, no, oh, no, not at all. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, her singing to uh, Bonnie Tyler in the car is one of the highlights. There is a lot of good music in this movie. Yes, I forgot they, they used, spent money on this. Music. I forgot they used that U two track. Yeah, um, beautiful day. And uh, Kate and Billy Bob Thornton were nominated for Golden Globe awards in their performances, which is you know. Fine. Uh, I think Billy Bob deserves it. I think Kate. You know that that hair is red. <laughs> okay, the hair. I think, I mean, the wigs are meant to be bad. There, there's no way they thought they were good wigs, but it. I don't the, know. Bruce's long hair. Oh my ends. God. Bruce's long hair that's supposed to be his actual hair, I think, is so terrible. But then they're, they're wearing like bad wigs on purpose like throughout the film. Stat. And it would be funny if someone would take like screenshots of all the wigs and just make like a little Instagram page honoring it because they're really bad. Yes. Um, but every time I see Kate, I keep thinking of that Gene Harlow movie, Redheaded Woman, and there's, there's the theme song of that. <laughs> Can we take a quick break? Uh huh. Okay, sorry. Um, they're known as the Sleepover Bandits mm -hmm. because they like um, they they'll find like a bank manager and then like break into their home, hold them hostage, and then in the morning take them to the bank to do the opening setup so they can get into the vault. So the first time we see it. I forget who that act like that family is, but the woman playing the mom. Oh, Stacy Travis. I thought she had a really good scene because the, he's like they're forcing them to all have dinner with the kids, and mm -hmm. the kids in the movie are played by Bruce, two of Bruce Willis's actual kids, mm -hmm. and they're all sitting at the dinner table, and the mom is crying. I thought that was really she was good. And she was good. She you've seen her in a lot of stuff, character actors. And I thought the, she as, was good. as well as the dad played by Brian F. O'Byrne. There's a moment where Bruce's character is asking Kate like, "What, like?" you need to relax, do things you like to do. And he's trying to come up with ideas for like what this woman might like to do. And he's telling her like, I mean, you could drink margaritas or get your toes painted. For some reason, I thought that was so funny that, the, that that's what he thought this woman would like want to do. 
the the plot point of the sleepover ban it's I, I think soderbergh recently kind of did something with that in no sudden move that would make a great movie where it's just like these bank robbers who that's their thing and the bulk of the movie is everything that could go wrong although isn't that the plot for that movie with dennis leary the ref isn't he like a burglar who he's gets stuck? a burglar yes they get stuck there yes there are a lot of plot, you know, as an older person now watching this and having watched many more films since then, it's like, oh, there are a lot of familiarities. Um, but even that are recycled since this, like Ambulance, uh, I wrote that down. There's something that's very, oh, the staged death with the ambulance is. No, no, it's familiar. No, the it, it's akin. Ambulance is akin to this story in that when they're at the bank, like towards the end oh, of yes. the movie, yes, yes, yes. there's an, a, a cop who asked to come into the bank to get money before the bank opens and doesn't realize that it's being robbed. Oh, no, but there's another cop that is, uh, tr there's tension and anxiety because he's coming to the bank while they're trying to rob because he's uh, has fancies one of the tellers. Oh, that's right. So they actually, yeah, it, they're, you know. Um, Along with Patty Hearst, which is who they directly reference, and Thelma and Louise, like the husband getting on TV and, uh, you know. I also didn't love the fake like reality show or whatever that either. was. I really didn't like the guy playing the host. I thought it kind of confused things um, because it also makes it seem like the first hour of the film is like us worried that they're going to get caught, but we know they're not because they're on a show where they're talking to someone after they've escaped. So I feel like that took a lot of steam out of, it just was like the, the stakes are very low I, I know it's not a drama, but it's also not super funny. And then like, there's a romance. So it just felt like the romantic part, the heist part, the, with the procedural aspects of it, the love story, and then the straight up comedy component of those four things, none of them are really that well done. So I, I did find it a little tough to sit through. It definitely feels 30 minutes too long. It does. It, you know, I think I had held it in higher regard in my mind. But again, I haven't seen it since 2001. Uh, there are things I like about it. Billy Bob and all his ailments, I thought, were the funniest parts. Yes. Like him constantly complaining about some condition. or Well, <laughs> Bruce Willis is gaslighting him by making him think he has a brain tumor. Because they're family. And then when he finds out they're not family, it's like, I don't have a brain tumor. <laughs> I'm not at risk for that. Um, it, it made me want to also rewatch A Simple Plan where Billy Bob is also quite good. And in a trifecta that includes Bill Paxton and Bridget Fonda. Oh, uh, but yeah, for, for me, the most interesting person is Kate. And then Troy Garrity, I think has little to do. This is right before he did barbershop, maybe the same soldier's girl is somewhere in there too. Uh, but he of course is a plot point. And then January Jones is lurking about in the periphery. Like um, what's her face in American graffiti, Suzanne Summers in American graffiti or, uh, who's that? Who's the model in all the National Lampoon movies with Chevy Chase? Uh, Christy Brinkley. Is it Christy Brinkley? I believe she, so. She's like this beautiful. I don't. Well, she's no Christy Brinkley. She, again, uh, she's I, more like a Claire Danes. But go ahead. I. I, I <laughs> January Jones. I don't think January Jones compares to Claire Danes even. Uh, Wait, no, hold up. I don't really. Let me look up January. I don't Jones. care for January Jones uh, as a screen presence. Uh, but she's lurking around here and has questionable hair as well. January Jones is on the level of Claire Danes. No, Claire sure. Danes is more beautiful than her. Who cares? But uh, well, we're not going to put them with Christy Brinkley. I'm not. I'm not. Okay. I, I'm saying how she's used in the film. I will always uh, take a stand for Christy Brinkley and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. 
Because uh, those, those are some fly white ladies. So uh, Sigourney Weaver. She is. Charlotte Rampling. Well, Sigourney Weaver is different, though. She's, like, statuesque and, like, mm-hmm. strong. Mm-hmm. So she's, yeah. I, I think I think about Sigourney when you have these, like, women in action movies who are, like, you're not badass. You don't even look like you could mm-hmm. handle a punch. <laughs> right. No. But anyway. Yeah, the January Jones character, I felt, was pointless. <sighs> And then we see them getting married. Like, who cares? Like, I don't care about these <laughs> This people. movie's too long. Like, yeah, I don't like, need to see them. I, I didn't need any of that. Uh, but yeah. What would you give this movie? Uh, I'm, I'm waffling between two and a half and three. I think, well, you know, for me, two and a half means like, okay, fine. I th- I'd say three then, because it, it was, enter- I like these people. You know, Barry Levinson is a good director. He He's probably best known for Wag the Dog and Rain Man. You've seen his, his uh, reality, uh, his found footage horror film, The Bay which I, I have decent memories of. And his son, Sam Levinson, is uh, the creator of Euphoria oh. and uh, directed a film I liked called Another Happy Day. I would but... give it two and a half. I thought it was okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I wouldn't watch it again. And I wouldn't, if, if someone said, oh, I've never seen Bandits, let's put it on. I'd be like, I'm going to go upstairs oh, boy. and uh, <laughs> get on TikTok. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So uh, I, I think we have... I think we have like three videos that are set to go up. Oh, in two weeks. So is next week a light week? No, not per se. Uh, next week is Black Panther, which you're not allowed to come to. Which I'm not allowed is, to go to, which is, is racist. racist. Yes. And then the next week is also the menu and the Fable. Oh, I'm a- I the menu is where they have the secret dinner. Mm-hmm. I'm anxious to see that. Uh, the Fablemans is also next week. I'm not interested in that. Oh, so you're, we're not going to see it? You already saw it. But not to review with you. Oh. Ugh. I mean, you know it's going to be nominated for Best Picture. And little white Michelle Williams is acting her little heart out in it. The only Michelle Williams I know is from Destiny's Child. I know you always say that. But, um, <laughs> I also rep for Michelle Williams. Uh, I'm still hoping you watch Nocebo, which I kind of enjoyed with Ava Green. Uh, and we also have to watch The Wonder this week. Okay. Uh, but yeah, there, there there are a couple things. All right. Are you reading anything of note? I'm reading. Oh, did com- you want to talk about the, before can, you get to that, do you want to talk about the play you went to go see? Uh, we saw The Mouse Trap, directed, or oh, I don't know who the director is, but uh, it's uh, I can tell is you. an Agatha Christie play. And I'm very familiar with Agatha Christie's novels, like her Hercule Poirot and Miss Marple Mysteries, but I'd never seen. Well, it's directed by Jules Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming that's a local person, but mm-hmm. it features someone who you know. Mm-hmm. So that's why you wanted to go see it. Mm-hmm. So we went. I had a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I always think I want to go to more community theater and then it's just like the, you know, there's never any time, but I would say support local theater. Um, The season has already started. So I probably wait until next season to buy, Mm -hmm. you know, season. So this was at the, um, the group rep theater, which is in North Hollywood for anyone in LA Mm -hmm. and season. So six shows, um, a ticket a season ticket holder is only like hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, that's twenty five dollars a show. I think that's so so reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good fun night out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would definitely. And I like North Hollywood. Yeah, I do too. It's just, well, you know what I mean. It's just like a you know you can go have dinner and parking is so see easy. the show. Yeah, parking's not difficult. Highly recommend. 
Um, but anyway, you're reading uh, a collection of short stories by Dennis Cooper called Wrong that are known as the author of Frisk. Uh, and I hope to read the sluts very soon after it, uh, kind of because you and I are also working on something else. Nick and I have decided that we want to make our own short, uh, not a short, our own feature film. It would be very low budget. Um, but yes, we're, I feel like it's doable. We have. You know, a director mm -hmm. who has done some shorts, mm -hmm. who's interested in assisting, and then we need to come up with a budget. I think that we can, we've known people who've made feature length films for similar budget mm -hmm. that came out quite well. Sure. So I think as a first film, I'm pretty excited about the prospect of doing it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with my, um, business savvy and your, uh, artistry, <laughs> we can, <laughs> we can together you make the perfect man we can uh achieve something but of course as details become more um we're, solid, we're, a bit, we're very we're we've only just it's very preliminary yes, very but preliminary. once i start needing money everyone will know because I, that's not that's all i will talk about <laughs> joseph will until i get the money that, i need i'm glad that you are good at that because i'm terrible at asking anyone for anything no i think uh with the smallish budget and our own contribution to it, I think my idea is that we're going to say that we'll match whatever people give us. Sure. You know, up to a certain amount, mm -hmm. uh, obviously. And then like my <laughs> retirement plan. Yeah. yeah we're not going to dip in anyone's uh, uh, pension retirement plan. Uh, but uh, yeah. So that's something that's exciting. I feel like by the beginning of next year, there'll be like something more solidified. Yes. Uh, also, uh, we both joined letterbox. We have separate accounts. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so I have been feverishly, God, it takes so long. Cause I have a, a spreadsheet, a, a personal spreadsheet going back to everything I've seen since May of 2008. So I'm entering everything chronologically from when I watched it. Uh, so if anyone's interested in that, uh, sure I noticed a few up. comments, like you need to add people who are adding you. And it's like, I, I mean, I don't know what Letterboxd is. I'm just adding things. So I think once I finish that, yeah, I, I, I have only entered about 2000 entries and I have 11,000 to enter. So yeah, I'm and, not doing anything else until I finish that. Right. So until I enter, which is going to be a long time, I, I'm not probably going to be like act an active participant. Yeah. In, yeah. Cause I'm assuming it's similar to. All the other platforms where there's a feed and you can see what people are doing but uh, yeah. i am really interested because i had to change because i actually set up this account in 2020 and never touched it so i wanted to change my name to align with my instagram which i had to pay for uh but paying but paying for it uh there's so much interesting information via analytics yeah based on your entries uh so it's like uh, which you know very just personal to me that i find interesting it's like oh like the the your viewing patterns and and where you're watching things from I, I don't know i find it interesting yeah i think it's worth the money for you uh to see the stats um but yeah because it does like highest rated decades all the different languages and countries the like um letterbox has lists of like you know the imdb top 250 and like best like box office uh all time whatever and then it shows like what percentage of those you've watched and and then you could you can create your own list which... and you can yeah and then it even says like which actresses you've watched the most or mm -hmm. which directors i think that's actually really interesting for i can see people being interested in you in that 
So I feel like your letterbox will be very valuable. Well, I think people will be as equally interested in yours. You'll just have less entries. I don't think, well, just to be clear, like most of the things I watch were not at my own accord. So I feel like your list is more organic to like what you have interest in. I feel like most of the things that are on mine are not movies I would have watched on my own. Sure. But um, yeah, yours is much more interesting. So yeah, it'll be, I, I think once you're done, it'll be something that I could see people. I mean, based on the people that have followed me so far, I see how many entries they have. And, you know, 11,000 is going to be a lot, I feel, right? Yeah. And you always want some credit. Um, do you have anything else? Uh, no, but I'll leave you with a quote from Bandits. Oh, thank you. Uh, Love is a wish that lives in your heart. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>